Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast show presented by CST Tires and hosted by me, Cody Jansen. It's taken a ton of time to get to this point, but an ATVMX podcast is something that I've been thinking about doing for a while now. So to be at the point of going live with this thing, I've been chomping at the bit since uh, we interviewed Chad Weenan. It's been uh, It's been hard to even contain my excitement up to this point. Before I get too far, I want to thank the sponsors that came on board for this project. Our title sponsor, CST Tires, I can't thank those guys enough. And I also have to thank DID Racing Chain, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, DP Brakes, and 100% and their new R-Mega Goggle. None of this would be possible without them. And bringing this kind of content to the ATV motocross community couldn't be done without the support of our sponsors. So huge thanks to those guys. Each week we'll start with the Evans Coolant Site Lab segment where we kind of lead you into the meat and potatoes of the episode. And for this one, the first episode, we're joined by the six-time champ, Chad Weenan. Talk about starting the thing off with a bang. My hope for my podcast is to uncover some of the rare and unique stories in our sport. And I think it's only right to start with Chad Weenan for episode one because I think he has the most rare story in 2019 he's been around for almost 15 years but you know we remember him for the last seven he's won six of the last seven championships and you know he's he's consistent he's like I joked about him being a robot how he's you know so status quo he's been on the podium for all of those seven years since getting on a Yamaha but the most intriguing part of the story isn't the most recent recent chapters it's the beginning that you know a lot of people maybe don't know of being uh a guy who was just fighting to qualify and worried about qualifying for races to being a top 10 pro as a privateer and how he changed himself into a race winning factory rider in just one off season so that's probably one of the most um, remarkable parts of his story and you'll hear him talk about that here and, and I'm really excited to uncover some of that because there's probably a lot of fans of AT Motocross today that don't know you know all the history that happened you know to Chad Wienan before he was rewriting the history books with the last you know six of the last seven championships and you also hear him talk about a return from a devastating injury um, a role that a lucky pair of socks played in his most recent championship. You'll hear him touch on some of the relationships um, he has with the other top riders. And you'll basically hear Chad take um, take us on a ride from, you know, from starting on a Banshee all those years ago back in, in Illinois to present day. And what may be the most insightful interview in the history of ATV motocross and surely the most candid that we've ever seen the six-time champ. So I don't want to hold off any longer. Get ready to dig deep with the champ. Here's Chad Weenan. All right, guys. So as promised, uh, we welcome six-time champ Chad Weenan to the show. He is brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 
ATV2 chain. This chain uh, features Chad on the box, and I helped develop it as well, so that's fantastic. Um, so welcome, Chad. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for helping us kick this thing off with a bang, and uh, I really appreciate your willingness to uh, come on with us here. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Cody, and, you know, pretty cool that you guys are getting something new going, and, uh, you know, there's not a whole ton of media really going on with HV Motocross, so I think it's a good step in the right direction that you guys are trying to push, and, I like, I know there's a lot of, uh, like, um, shows that people listen to, you know, other than HV Motocross, so I think that this would be something that the guys can listen to and, you know, really just try and fall in love with it, and, you know, maybe a monthly basis. Is that what you're kind of looking forward to doing? Yeah. So my goal is uh, to right now it's to probably do it in between races. Um, maybe after every race, we'll kind of drop something. That's kind of the plan. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a podcast listener. So, you know, I kind of listen to the dirt bike stuff because uh, I just want to listen to racing things. And, uh, you know, with the with the relationship I have with you and uh, some of the other pros, I knew I could I could probably put some content out there that would be pretty good. And um, there's good personalities in this sport, you know. There's good stories. There's good there's good content there. It's just I think with our sport, it's kind of lacking. So my goal with this podcast in general is to kind of fill in those gaps where our sport is lacking. Because I was going to get into this later, but um, the athletes like that I gravitate towards uh, that, you know, I'm fans of as a sports fan aren't necessarily be because they're like the superstar. I mean, it's because of their backstory or maybe they overcame some things or, um, like they're just cheer worthy, uh, athletes. So I think that if we are able to kind of fill in those gaps with our sport, you're going to create a better fan base because uh, a more educated fan is going to be more passionate about what we're doing here, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's a lot of good stories uh, that are pretty much untold, you know, out there with a lot of riders and where they come from. And, you know, a lot of people see what they are and, you know, what they are today. But I think the real stories are definitely the ones that people don't really know. And that's, I think that's what you guys do really dig up and give people, you know, the inside sight of really who people are. Exactly. I mean, just uh, that's like what you and I were kind of going over before we got, you know, on the recording here was uh, there's there's a lot of backstory of you that people don't know. And, and with the coverage that we have, I mean, we're thankful for it, but maybe they only know you as the face on the podium or they know you from your Instagram and that's really it when – I mean, there's a, there's a lot more to you than just that, you know, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's <laughs> there's piles of stuff there. <laughs> right, right. So um, so you're back in Illinois now. Uh, how long have you been, been back in Illinois? Uh, we, just, we just got back uh, about a week, week and a couple days ago after the last round at uh, Muddy Creek. We came back home to Illinois and uh, um, got welcomed with a lot of rain. So that was, that was fun, but, uh, you know, it took a lot of time to really get, you know, everything, you know, situated around home here. And, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, see our son and, you know, spend a lot of time with him and be with family that we haven't been able to spend a lot of time with since we've been in Florida. So, uh, it's always good to have that. And, you know, we're back on track, uh, 
getting ready for Sunset Ridge here next weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's in your backyard, so I know that that's one that you you circle on the calendar every year for sure. Yeah, that's no, uh it's the closest one to home, but it's also the race that I go the earliest to and we do our we're doing a riding school there for Team USA and it's always the busiest one. Uh you know, you got a lot of friends and family that want to come down and uh support and you know, that's definitely the busiest event of the year, but it's also super fun and you know it's uh one of those that i want to perform well and try and uh put myself in the center of the podium yeah yeah definitely um yeah i think you're primed to do pretty well i saw you there this past weekend and uh you know i was feeling pretty good and uh that didn't stop you from blowing my doors off so uh yeah thanks for that (laughs) oh yeah now you're riding along good and you know uh, I think you're ready to come back to the pro class here sometime soon. Yeah, I'm hoping to. <laughs> I'm hoping to make the jump, you know, sometime this year. So when nice. I kind of when I kind of feel ready, we'll get back there. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But um, nice. so yeah, so I think you know, I I, I I I before I get too far ahead of myself, I just want to thank you uh, for coming on. It means the world to me that you come and join us here, and um, it really kind of puts us on the map. And I think that you probably have one of the most, if not the most, unique and rare story in our sport. So um, I'm hoping to, that we can kind of get that out there and share that with people, and I uh, just really appreciate you coming on. I, I'm very, very grateful. Yeah, of course. And, you know, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a family man now, and I put my son down to bed, and, you know, it's uh, time to wind down. And, you know, it worked out perfect, uh, you know, that you wanted – interest to hear my story and you know i'm gonna pour it out there for you guys perfect perfect so yeah my brother's here with me he's kind of the the man behind uh all the tech stuff i couldn't do it without him so uh when we refer to uh us when i say us uh that's that's what we're talking about here so let's kind of just take it from the top where did you know where did where did Chad Weenan start with ATV motocross or ATV racing? How did you get involved, or how, how were you made aware um, at the very beginning of, of, of this sport? I mean, we trail road around the farm that my, my uh, grandparents owned, and um, I liked uh, jumping, like, you know, just hillsides and stuff like that. And uh, we put a track together, the, a couple friends. It was probably about, you know, six or seven of us that actually had ATVs that, you know, were kind of, I wouldn't call us like daredevils, but just, you know, wanted to, you know, push the limits of our stock machines that we were riding at the time. We were riding Yamaha Banshees at the time. So it was good fun. And, um, uh, we put a track together. We went to a local event, uh, in, 1999, uh, down in Warren, Illinois is, uh, they, they call it the pumpkin fest and they put on a motocross race at the fairgrounds. And first race I went to, oh, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure my brother threw a party the night before. And, um, I mean, I ended up staying up late and, you know, my couple of my friends were, that were racing too, like, staying up late and shoot we didn't get up the next day till around like noon and like it was a night race so we're kind of like ah we don't have to be there anytime soon and before you know it we're like 
uh, we better start getting going and we get a call from a friend that's there and they're like, Hey guys, uh, practice starts in like 40 minutes and we're still at home and it's, it's about a half hour drive. So we book it all the way there and we get there, sign up and just make it for practice and like, huh, like super nervous, of course, you know, going to my first race and, uh, just kind of, winged it and they had a rubber band hole shot start classic and uh uh i wasn't a good starter um so i got a bad start and i ended up working my way up to the front and i was leading and i won the first moto of the of the night the heat race and uh the main came around i got another mediocre start and about two laps in i went uh there is a triple that i I missed a shift over and I ended up going over the bars and machine ran me over. You know, I'm pretty sure that with most people that would be maybe the ending straw of trying to race motocross after a pretty gnarly crash. And I just bounced back up and, you know, I continued, but I mean, I was hurting. I was, <laughs> I was not, not in a good place right there. And, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, I don't know what I ended up. It really didn't, really didn't matter at that point in time because I crashed out. But uh, next race we had is in the fall, and I went I went back and ended up winning in the B, uh, race B class, of course. But, um, you know, I ended up winning that race, and, you know, it just kind of all, all snowballed effect from there. I, you know, upgraded my machine to a 250R then, you know, the next year, and, uh, I went to my first national when I was, uh, about, it was two years later. I went to my first national at, um, Redbud. Okay. So that and was 2001? That was 01, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Went to my first national then and, um, you know, I went into B class there in 16 to 24 and I'm pretty sure you know how fast like 16 to 24 is, you know, oh, there's yeah. some, there some rippers back then. and Especially back then, I, yeah, for sure. I went, I went into that class not knowing uh, how fast those guys were, and I got my butt spanked. And also in B class, I mean, I wasn't, like, uh, back then there was only two, two B classes at the time. Okay. So it was super competitive. Like, you know, nowadays there's, what, three? Yeah. So it's... uh just stack classes and I went in there and I was like uh in the top you know 15 you know finish and full gates of course and it was pretty cool and I just went to work from there and uh you know a couple of years later I built a I built a hybrid uh CRF Lone Star chassis and rode it for a couple of years and here come the productions. So I jumped on a Yamaha and rode it and Oh really? You know, so was, you were on a you were on a Yamaha at some point? Yeah. Okay. So what, yeah, what year would a, that have been? Like oh four? That was what year did they come out? Oh three? Oh three or oh four, yeah. Oh four. I wanna say it was in oh four oh four, oh five, I wanna say I was on Yamaha's. And then and then, uh, like, 05, I dabbled 
in the pro class. I did the last couple rounds. Okay. The you know when I don't know if you remember this, like when riders say they would, you know, run the last couple rounds of the pro class to try and get their feet wet for the following year when they're making the full jump. Exactly. Yep. And you really don't see that anymore. You know? No, no, I ex I, I did the same thing. When I went pro I I wrapped up the championship and then went pro the last couple the last couple races, yeah, just to get my feet wet. But you don't see that much anymore. No. I mean it's I think it's I think it's real it's much needed because, you know, riders come out their rookie year, the nerves, and they never drop the gate with the professionals and all of a sudden they're out in left field and it's better to figure that out, you know, say six months before your next gate drop than, you know, all of a sudden you have to be ready, ready now and you don't have time to get ready. Exactly. I mean, Ian, when I went pro um, in Pro-Am, we had time qualifying. Well, these these guys now, they don't have time qualifying. So um, until you until you go pro, and that's a whole other animal. Uh, you don't, you can't really teach that until you're out there. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely a different time. So so did you ever like race pro am or or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I raced pro am. I didn't have any success at all, really. I just couldn't get a I couldn't get a start, and like my my endurance was pretty decent, but I just I couldn't start with the guys, and all of a sudden they'd be gone by the time I got up to the top five, and that's kind of where I'd finish and. Uh, my first pro, my first pro debut in 05, there was 32 guys on the pro qualifiers. Oh my goodness. And I was like, there's, I'm like, oh man, like it's going to be tough for me to make the top 20 guys. And I went out in the qualifying race. I ripped a really good start and I finished, I finished second in the qualifying race. But remember that the top 10 guys are already seated and they didn't right. have to do that. Exactly. Yep. So lots, a lot of has changed, you know, since those days. And, uh, I mean, I was riding against, you know, like the Pat Brown, Jeremy Lawson, you know, guys like that, that were, you know, Wimmer. I mean, those guys were <laughs> no jokes back then. And, Absolutely. Yeah. That uh, was like the heyday. Yeah. There were so many fast guys. Yeah, there's some serious guys and, uh, you know, made, made it into there and I made it the next, I want to say next two or three events that I went into and, you know, I got my feet wet for the next year and I went to, I went to a Honda and I rode it and, uh, went to WPSA and, in 06. 06, yeah. I went and did those and, so you were you were on a privateer Honda, but was that somewhat supported by Mark? Did you have Mark's help a little bit, Baldwin? Um, I mean, he helped out a lot, but we all know that uh, Mr. Baldwin is a he's a he's a tight cookie, so he right. uh, <laughs> he doesn't really give much away. And you know, for me, I mean, I really didn't establish myself to really even deserve anything like that yet. So, um, in O. I ran, I ran his stuff for all of 06 and then I made the change over to D from Rage okay. in 07, beginning of the year. Yeah, but that was, and that was short lived. 
Yeah, that was short-lived, and I I put in a heck of an off-season. I really, I mean, I'll go back to work, you know, after the events. And uh, after the last event of the year, I really got my butt kicked, and I was... It was on that. It was on that movie. It was on that movie, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I was on beating it, beating, beating the odds. odds, and like I, I really never felt like that after a race before in my life. And English Town, right? It was where that yeah, was English recorded. Town. Yep, English Town. And I went back home, and I literally I went back home, and I parked the truck, and I went straight to the gym, and that's where I pretty much lived after work every day like i would spend you know an hour or two at the gym and um you know it's kind of kind of funny that um you know playing i mean i played football you know in high school and stuff like that and you know i never really got it into my head that i'm, I'm like i need to shave weight and because I'm, I'm a big dude i'm probably at the time i'm probably 235 pounds and, you know, that's that's about 40 pounds more than I am now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you back then looked like a totally different guy. And it's not like you looked out of shape. It's just that uh, right now you're you're so cut, and that wasn't what you were at the time. But it's not like it wasn't in you because um, my first memory ever of Chad Weenan um, is in 2006 we were getting ready for the – sunset ridge national and we went there on a practice day and all of a sudden this guy shows up pulls the number 44 out of the back of his truck on his honda and he and i didn't even know who you were at the time and you were just destroying the racetrack like i have never seen somebody firsthand go so fast and um so then you know i have a cheering interest a little bit so we show up at the walnut uh or the sunset ridge race this is 06 and and you got a pro podium that day as a privateer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you went you went like five three or three five, and yep. uh, and I remember that like it was yesterday. And you know it was one of those things because even back then you didn't see quote unquote privateers like podiuming races at that time because there was so much factory support too. Like the best guys were all on factory supported stuff. Yeah, it was a pretty stacked field and. I think what really put me over the edge that weekend was uh, when Jay Goble and uh, there he was at the race, Maxis rep, you know, at that time, and still, you know, still is a rep for Maxis. And I, uh, I went up to him like, "Hey, man, like, you know, can you help help out with some tires? Like, I'm running the, I was running some uh, some tires that were not working out, super slick out there, and." Uh, he hooked me up with some tires for the weekend and then bang, I went out on the podium. <laughs> so I was like, I was, I mean, I was so grateful at the time, you know, just because, I mean, I wasn't being given a lot of stuff. Sure. And, yeah. I, you know, they just like, Hey, you know, get, give, give this guy a couple tires and see what he can do. And, you know, I went out there and got a podium. So I was like cloud nine, just so ecstatic, especially being at, you know, the home track and, I want to say Jeremiah Jones won that day. I think he did, yeah. yeah I think and did. I was on the podium. I want to say him and Digger. Yeah, maybe? I think you're right. Or Joe. I think it was Joe, actually. Okay. I think it was Joe who was on the podium, too. And I was like, man, like, this is surreal being up on the podium with these guys, you know, people that you you know you looked up to. And 
you know, especially JJ at the time, he was untouchable. That's know? what I was, yeah, that's what I was going to ask you was, you know, back then, who did you look up to or who did, did you model like yourself, your riding after anybody? Um, I really loved to watch Timmy Farr race. Okay. Like, the guy was, he wasn't always the fastest guy, but he knew how to put championships together. And he was efficient, you know, with his yes. riding even, I think, like yeah. before that was a thing. And, I mean, still to this day, obviously, you ride efficiently, so. Yeah, and back then, you know, I didn't ride efficiently. I didn't, like, really, man, I rode more like Jeremiah, you know, just a you know, bulldozer. And Like, <laughs> yeah, well, so what did they call you, wide open weaning? Was that what it was? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, so, so was... yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in the off season, in this off season, uh, I've wanted like material to be able to have running during, uh, like when I was working out and stuff. So I went back as, as far as I could to like the beginning of the racer TV stuff for ATVs and was like listening to the old shows. And it's so funny to listen to them. You know, this is obviously pre like 2012 ish. So yeah you know, your years on the other brands and to listen to, to Weege talk about, uh, you as the guy that was so fast, but couldn't put it together. And now yeah. we, and now we're here in 2019 and you know, it, that couldn't be any, you know, more false or less true. Uh, like it's hard to even remember. I mean, you know, you've almost been racing. You so say you've been racing pro for almost 15 years, and, like, the transition is just crazy because you used to be the wide-open guy that was just, you know, maybe the quad wasn't going to finish, but you were going to be going fast. Yeah, that's, like, I mean, I remember those days, like, there yesterday and, you know, listening to Weege and stuff like that, too. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know where, where, where and when it really clicked, but I know after, after I broke my back in 2011, I think something really clicked in me that, you know, I need to ride within my limits at all times and, you know, don't sacrifice the machine by doing like jumps or, you know, obstacles that are going to hurt it. And, you know, I think it just really clicked then. And, you know, I had a lot to think about then. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was sidelines for six months and, you know, uh, like a lot of family, they were, they were like, uh, I mean, maybe it's time to, you know, hang it up and it's been fun. But I still had a strong drive to really keep pushing and, you know, some some unsettled business, as I called it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll take it uh, take it back to uh, probably one of the most interesting parts of the, the whole uh, your whole story. Um, so in 2006. You get that uh, podium, and you were, you know, but but at the end of the season, you obviously weren't satisfied with where you were at. You go home, and like you said, you kind of transform yourself. You lock yourself in the gym. You change, you change, you know, your body build and all this stuff. So take us to the beginning of 2007, and you said you were running Rage stuff on a Honda, and uh, so so start us right there, and and then uh, all, let us know all the changes that happened in 07. Yeah, like, you know, uh, Wayne Meridian from PP really got, really got into my program too. And, 
uh, you know, it was, it was good to have him like backing me a lot and he came to some events and <laughs> he was riding my sh- machine to the gate a couple times, you know, just, um, you don't really see that much of him anymore, but he's still really involved with racing, but you know, he, he was the man that you wanted working on your stuff of at that point in time. Yes. And you know, I, it was, it was like, you know, when I was coming through the ranks and, you know, I saw Timmy Farr, Mark Baldwin, and Wayne Meridian. That was like a team that I wanted to be, I wanted to be a part of that one day. And, you know, when I had Wayne working on my stuff, it was like, oh, like I got one, one foot closer to the door and I ran the first round of the year. We went out and ran. Uh, my, my, my plan was to run WPSAs, but, uh, AMA um, events started earlier, so I used them for warm-ups, and I can't remember if the first one, I want to say the first one was in Alabama. I think you're right, yep. It started in Alabama, first moto, got a bad start, got uh, Richard, I want to say Richard Pelchat broke an axle right in front of me, and I ran into him, like just bad luck, and uh, second moto came out with a decent start and I worked my way to the front and they had this roller section behind the starting gate that I was, I was very good through and, um, typical, typical. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, they, it was like a fourth gear tap all the way through them and guys were just like, they seem like they're in second gear going through them compared to what <laughs> the what the pace that I was going through. Yeah, and, uh, I made a lot of passes there, and I ended up going on to win that moto. And uh, I don't, I want to say I got on the podium that day, but I, I can't remember if exactly. Okay. But um. So that would have yeah. been your your first moto win as a pro. Yeah, it would have been my first moto win. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I got enough for the podium. I just don't remember, but. Okay. Yeah, I, that's I, one of the only races I didn't look up kind of prepping for this because I figured it'd be so fresh in your memory. <laughs> yeah, like, man, the, I think the one that, like, um, the next two were the ones, the toughest ones that, um, went out to Glen Helen the next round and, man, I was just, I was flying there and like I'm a privateer guy and I'm beating, you know, the factory guys that are, you know, and they're like, who's this guy? Like, where's this guy come from? Yeah. And, you were, a, you were, a, you, so what, where would you not to interrupt, but where would you have been the year before in points? Like top 10 ish, right? You know, that uh, that's, how, yeah, that's where I thought of you as, as like a, Top 10-ish guy right there, you know. And then I remember, you know, because I'm a little kid at the time, following, um, you know, these races like like you guys are God. And I'm looking at the results and I see you win. And I'm like, holy man, like where did this come from? So, so yeah, yeah. So, so, so keep, continue on. Yeah, and, you know, went out there and that place is a pretty, it's like a horsepower track out there. I got that long hole shot. and A couple big you know, hills huge hills and really doesn't benefit me a whole lot but it was when you come down those hills is when you know i was able to make my mark and you know really charging down and just not really having a fear of like 
you know, the big, the, the intimidation factor of going down such steep hills and, you know, made my way to the front and I was, I had a nice, comfortable lead and all of a sudden, uh, had a coil wire break and my machine expired. So I was like distraught, you know, just, ah, like, come on, like, put it, put, put these together and, uh, next, next round we go to Texas and same roundabout, you know, way, like I, um, pretty, one of the huge highlights of my career was on that day, um, remember racing with Wimmer and Gust, they were pretty much in formation throughout the first moto and I ended up passing both of them, crashing, getting back up and passing them again. Oh my. And ended up finishing the moto. I want to say I finished the moto inside the top five. Okay. And the next moto, I get a much better start, make quick work, and uh, two laps from the end, I cracked my engine cases in half and lost all the oil out of them, and machine expired two laps to go. Hugely, like, close to a 20-second lead. And at the time, at the time, you got to just be thinking, man, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Yeah, and, you know... Ryan Cox at the time, he was pretty much sitting right where I stopped at. Okay. And he came up to me and he said, and he said, Chad, don't worry. Everything's going to be all right. So he at was, the time, he, he worked for Factory Suzuki. Right. Yep. That's what I was going to ask. And <laughs> I was like, at the time, I'm like, okay, yeah, well, yeah everything's <laughs> going to be just fine. Right. And I get a phone call. I get a phone call. Um, probably about a couple days later from Rod the Puznak from the factory Suzuki race team. And he called me and he's like, Hey Chad, um, how would you like to run our LTR 450 and the WPSA series starting, you know, for their first round? And I was like, I was just kind of silent for, <laughs> a couple seconds and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like, yeah, like I don't even have to think about it. Shocked, shocked, shocked. Just on the, you know, you kind of dream of like a phone call like that getting, of course, yeah. You know, I used to sit and I used to sit in bed and like I was trying to get support from Yamaha, you know, a couple of years before that. And I'm like, ah, oh, like I just, I just want the phone call to come in and I want to hear them say yes we'll, we'll we'll help you out and that'll be me doing my own program with the Yamahas and this is a whole nother step where I show up to the race and they have everything ready it's the gravy the gravy train you know yeah. right there so um we do some testing we get get comfortable on the machine you know, we go to our first round. So how many, so how many weeks were there in between you getting that call and then, you know, the first race? I want to say there was, it was less than two weeks. Yeah. I didn't think it was very long. That's why, that's why I wanted to and mention that. We, we drove down to Georgia and we, we did, they had the next round of the AMA racing down at Echikani and I, I didn't compete because 
I was getting ready to jump on the Suzuki for the first time, and they got me a practice machine ready, and I tested it the day after the race down there on the same track that they raced at Echikani the day before. Okay. So I rode it there, like, I was very, like, very uncomfortable the first day, like, the... I mean, it just didn't feel, obviously, you jump from machine to machine, it's, it's different. And I am, I'm trying to get more comfortable. We're changing, you know, stem heights, bars, seats, you know, foot pegs. Like, it's, there's a lot going on. The full factory treatment. Yeah. And they, yeah, and they have everything in that truck that I wanted to change. Sure. Yeah. So I was like, wow, like, these guys are able to get some stuff done quick. And that's my first, you know, run in with a, you know, a factory team and the way that they ran things were so tight and, you know, there wasn't anything that was out of the question, you know, for, for them to get you comfortable because, you know, they, they wanted to win and that was the bottom line. So I'm coming into the truck behind, you know, Wimmer and Gust. Yeah. And it's, it's a, there's, you know, there's, <laughs> There is what do they call it? The uh, too many chickens in the hen house. Yeah, or yeah. Well, too many roosters in the hen house. Right, and it's not like I mean, if you're comparing it to dirt bikes, you know, there's a there's a number one and a number two rider a lot of times, or one, two, three. Well, I mean, you guys were all at the front. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you got Gus, the veteran, and you got Wimmer that you know flew onto the scene, and he's been doing really, really, really well. And, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm the new guy and, you know, they, they accepted me very well, but obviously, you know, they didn't want this guy that really didn't establish himself yet and come in and have a few good races and come in and just take, you know, what they had going on. Of course. And, you know, obviously you feel a little bit, you know, you feel a little bit of pressure because, you know you've never done that before and they got a couple of races under their belt, you know, and you know, we go to the first round and we're battling with the tally for the top spot. We get around them and, uh, I ended up boiling our race fuel and the machine started running very bad and popping and like pretty much had to limp it home to the finish and, that was my first round of the WPSA getting started and, you know, I'm already, I'm already hurting this machine. Right. And, you know, and I, you know, and it really doesn't settle in what I got to do. I just, I'm just like, I'm going to ride this thing as hard as I can, as long as I can. Hopefully it makes it. And it never, you know, for several years, that's all I did. Yeah. I just rode the machine as hard as I could. And, you know, if they, if we couldn't have a machine underneath me that I could finish, there's, I felt at the time was their fault, but you know, it was a little bit of mine the way that I was riding it. I was just riding it too aggressive, too hard, too much clutch. And <laughs> yeah. So you, so you won some races in 07 in WPSA. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I won my, I won my first overall at Taylorville, Illinois. And that was, I want to say, like round I want two. To say that was round two, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think so. It was yep, Georgia, round two. Georgia, and then then Taylorville. Yeah, and I, I want to like that was awesome. You know, just uh, finally 
putting it together. And, you know, the track, I really didn't, like, I didn't really favor the track a whole lot. Like, being pretty flat, wasn't really many jumps, like, round and pound track. And I'm more, you know, I like to jump technical and have super rough. Yeah, that and, well, and that track didn't even didn't even have like a whoop section or anything like that. It was uh, they had a little bit of, if I remember correctly, they had a little bit of like wood chips, and that got like a little choppy, but it's pretty pretty much a highway. So to think that to, to think that you got your first win on a track like that is uh, it's kind of like inverted. Yeah, it's it's a it was kind of a a curveball, and but you know it was. Just one of those days that came together, and you know, I'll never forget it. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Uh, I remember that one too. I remember that one too because, you know, at that time we're following the story now as a fan. Like, you know, we're. I mean, I've. We come from a culture that you always cheer for the underdog, and I mean that's really what you were. Like, you were the underdog that, you know, earned his way onto this team, and now you're killing it. So, so. 2008, were you were you on Suzuki again? Was that a was that a two year gig? Yeah, yeah, I, I did a, a two year with them, and I called 2000, 2008 was an injury plague year. Oh, it was okay. So I was I was curious uh, because I thought you were on Suzuki again, but I couldn't remember um, like what was memorable about that season because I think didn't you only like win one race, win one, I think sixth in points, uh, three podiums, and one win. Um, was what I was what I saw for 08. So, yeah, like, and I think my, I think my win came at Loretta's. Oh, really? At the very end? Wait, mm, I can't remember, but I want to say I broke my my scapula that year, and I tried to keep riding, and it would keep re-injuring it, and I took. A weekend off between, I didn't go to Unadilla. Okay. And the next round after that, huh, I came back and I I did a lot better. I want to say I got on the podium, and then we had the the, the pro that pro race with uh, the outdoor motocross. Oh, up in Steel, Steel City. City. Yeah. Yeah, and I won that. Okay. And that was it. That was a huge event. Yeah, it sure was. And, you know, got to ride in front of a lot of people that, you know, really didn't see what ATVs could do. And, you know, it was a cool event to win. And, you know, coming off of that injury, and I think that's exactly what I needed. And, uh, and the, you know, with, with the next year, uh, Digger in his contract, he, had a um, had a deal that if he got he finished certain points, they would sign him on for another year, and they were going down to a two rider team that that next year in '09. So I got I got axed out, and I ended up signing with Monster Energy Kawasaki in '09, and. You know, going on with that program, I brought my mechanic with me, Ryan Cox, and um, we helped transform that machine into a racing machine. But it took us several rounds to really get there. The first three round, first three motos of the year, I DNF'd. Oh wow! Yeah, like we we ended up boiling these things down, riding it too hard, and 
had a lot of had too much ignition in the machine and pretty much just detonated the sure <laughs> detonated the thing to death and yeah. wanted too tight. Um, yeah, and so you know once we figured that out and shoot, Dustin Wimmer had a injury that year too, and at I want to say can't remember if it was at Walnut I took over the points lead. Okay. I took over the points lead that year and. A uh, couple rounds later, we went out to it Pleasure Valley, I think. Okay, Pennsylvania. Went out yep. to there, yeah, and PA, and and the whole shot, I got um, tangled up with Cody Miller, and it broke my kill switch, and the machine just stopped running, and I lost the points lead there, and we tried to recoup it the rest of the year, and I ended up. Uh, getting, I want to say second or third in the championship eventually. Yeah, I looked, so I looked that one up because it was the Kawasaki year. And, uh, yeah, third in points, seven podiums, two wins, which, I mean, I thought, and I didn't know that it started that poorly, but, I mean, I, I think that that's a pretty good effort for the, for the Kawasaki team. Right yeah. There. Yeah, like we had promise. We had really good opportunity to win the championship that year, but, you know, we <laughs> too many DNFs. I think we had four DNFs that year. But those, uh, I don't know what else is memorable about the Kawasaki. But those bikes look sick. Those bikes look yeah. so cool. They they are they are a sick machine. I still have one. I actually have one of my one of every machine that I raced. Like I have my first Honda that I raced in '07. Okay. And I have I have a, a Suzuki. That I raced, and I have a, a, a Cowie, I have a Can-Am, yep. and I have several Yamahas still. Yeah, so so then for the next year, uh, what happened to Kawasaki? Was that deal no more, or did yeah. you choose to go to Can-Am? Well, uh, with Cowie, they pretty much closed the doors with the race, with the race team, and... Man, I don't even know. I don't even know if they still made. The, I think they still made the machine, but they closed the racing doors. But uh, I signed with Can Am that following year with Motor Works Can Am, and uh, John Atal, uh, you know, John Atali is a teammate. Yep. Like we, you know, we didn't get along. You know, <laughs> we were competitors against each other. Yeah, and two guys, and that, two guys that are. I mean, going to do whatever they can do to win. You know, they're going to do you yep. both, both of you guys. Yeah, and, like, we butted heads a couple times throughout the season. Uh, I remember at Walnut, I came in way too hot in a turn, and it uh, collided with him and took both of us out. And, you know, it was just like, at that time, like, I really wanted to be my teammate, like, I was almost too focused on beating him than trying to win races. Sure. Know? Yeah, I, I remember right. I remember that, that run in like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, So what, what was it like going back to the truck after that one? Oh, you know, like I mean I knew it was hundred percent my fault and I admitted it, you know, to everybody and you know, I was just riding too hard and not being patient enough. I mean, I was trying to get around John and um, losing my patience. So yeah, and that was still um, another year of so many stacked 
good riders, uh, yeah, good yeah. riders, good machines, good teams. So, I mean, that, those were the times where you couldn't really waste any time. Yeah, and you know, you know, moving, having three different teams in three different years, and it takes you time to develop a machine and get it to where it can win. Of course, and, yeah. You know now. Nowadays, I mean, riders are pretty settled into what they're riding. Like, I've been riding Yamaha since 2012, and a lot of riders have been riding the same machine for several years, too. So you have the machines dialed, and but then three machines in three years, it always took us a year to get a machine to where it was ready to win a championship. Of course. And then, you know, then it was time to move on to somewhere else uh teams would close their doors or they would move to a different different riders yeah so so hypothetically speaking would you have stayed would you have liked to stay with with cowie for another year and done that gig i definitely would have and i felt like we had you know the bugs worked out of the machine that we would have been able to really contend for a championship you know all you know, 24 motos that we did back then. So, yeah, and that's just, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason, and I moved to K&M and rode with them, and uh, first year was kind of just up and down. Um, I was really struggling throughout the year, and uh, I remember before Red Bud, like, I was training my butt off. Like, I'm like, I got to train harder. I got to train harder. And after, after I want to say Unadilla going into Red Bud, I, all I did was tr- off the machine training. I didn't ride my machine once that whole pretty much two weeks. Okay. I show up to Red Bud, and I have, I ended up winning the overall that weekend. My first, my first, my first overall the weekend of the year. Uh, okay, sure, yeah. And um, so I'm like, all right. So I do the same thing heading into Loretta's, and that was the year that we got dumped on with rain, and they only they cut it down to one moto. Okay, 2010. This is at this point. Yep, 10. Yep. So they cut it down to one moto. We so that pretty much secured Creamer for the championship. And we go out there, we bust it out for one moto, I ended up winning that one moto and, you know, went, won my, you know, my second moto of the year and ended up, uh, like third or, I don't know, I can't remember what exactly in points, like, what I ended up finishing, but, uh, we had another year that we signed with K&M and this was the year that, you know, I felt like we had, everything going on, everything going the way that we wanted it to. Um, won several overalls. Yeah, four and, of the four of the first seven that year. Yeah. Yeah. And we go to Millville, I ended up winning there and um we're on like a little bit of hiatus. So we're doing doing some testing at my house and um last lap of my moto I'm going through my whoop section. I get started to get crossed up, and boom, like, I'm on my back. And about fourth year tap whoop section that I had and ended up getting 
airlifted to um, Rockford. It's about an hour and a half away, and I ended up severing severing my spinal cord and breaking my T3 and T4. Oh my. And so I'm in the points lead at this time and I'm sitting there talking with a doctor. I'm like, doc, like we got to do something. Cause all I could think about was that I had to somehow be on the gate next round. And that was in a week. Okay. And the doctor is just sitting there like, uh, Chad, that's, that's not going to happen. This is way more serious than you're really taking it. Sure. Yeah, because that the competitor in you is I've been working my whole life to be here and have the points lead and compete for a championship, and now here I am in a hospital bed. Yeah, and so you know we do the operation. I'm there for a week, and I go home, and John Natalie ends up breaking his wrist. Okay. So teammate, now I'm teammate really, still. Teammate still, yep. Okay. He ends up breaking his wrist, and he gets plates put in it. So now I'm really thinking, like, all right, like he and he's in second at the time, and I'm like, all right, there's got to be some way that I can get on the gate. You know, still thinking about this a week after, and I, you know, a week a week out of the hospital. Actually, I, I was in the hospital for a week, and you know, they were they gave me a walker. And they're like, you know, if you have the ability, you can walk, you know, out of here. And I'm like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to walk out of the hospital. Like, I didn't walk in. I want to walk out. So seven days after you know, my upper, being there, I walk out of the hospital, heavily drugged up, of okay. course. And um, so I get home, and they gave me some serious medication that, oh, like, I, I was on it for a couple of days and I couldn't even remember people coming by and, you know, saying hello. I couldn't even remember who it was. And I got off of that medication and pretty much, you know, kind of just toughed it out. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I remember going off my back porch and looking at my track and just in distraught, like, ah, uh, like, how's this, how's this happen? You know, what do I got to do to catch my break? And, yeah. you know, long, long off season. And, you know, I get myself healthy, uh, super heavy into the rehab, like as quick as I could. And, you know, obviously, you know, I'm listening to my doctors on when I'm ready to go. And I waited to their green light to when, you know, I could ride and I could, do, do rehab and I hit it hard and um, I didn't have a ride. I lost my ride that year okay. because John went on to win the championship and so they couldn't afford two heavy hitters, you know, yeah. on their team. So they had to have a number one and a number two rider. And I want to say they hired Joel that next year. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. And so I was out of the ride and I went searching. We went to work and, you know, my wife, I put her pretty much through the worst, worst of worst time that I've ever been through. And she was there for it. And, you know, I don't know how she even stuck with me because I was pretty miserable. And, uh, 
uh, we went to work. We got Yamaha on board, and my mechanic, Ryan, all the way from Suzuki days, he was still with me, and he walked from K&M to come work with me for a year on Yamaha. Sure, yeah. And we and we developed the Yamaha. We went down to Walsh, and we stayed there the whole winter long, and we tested and we developed. And Walsh at the time didn't have any components for the Yamaha. Like, we... We pretty we pretty much developed the whole Yamaha and spec'd everything out that one year. Okay. I don't know how we did it in an off season because I didn't get there until I didn't get there till like mid January. And you're kind of doing this on your own, you know? I'm uh, I'm, I'm pretty much eh, like I mean I'm getting factory support from Yamaha, but I'm I'm running the show. You're basically you basically bet on yourself on this, on yep. this deal. Yep, and. I did not get one paycheck that year. Wow. That's the, no. that's your, that's your first championship year. That's my first championship year. It was all contingency based. So that's, that, yeah, that's the definition of betting on yourself. Yeah. So, um, so was that scary? I, I, was that scary for you? Because you're coming off this injury, you're starting on a whole new, you know, a whole new team of your own, a whole new bike, and you've been a, a factory rider now for, five years or whatever yeah so was that and was that uh extra extra anxious yeah i mean i obviously i wanted to believe that i could go out and win but coming on a new machine we're like all right here we go again like we're gonna have a tough year of learning and dialing in a machine but we came out swinging and we went to the first round and we passed the tally for the the, la- the last turn. We passed him for the lead, and we won the overall that day. Okay, yeah, that was a so so after all the um, after all the development in the off season, is that maybe what made you conscious of trying to keep these bikes alive? You know, now that you're maybe more yeah. hands on. Yeah, like I mean, before I would just ride them. They would send me an engine and. We'd swap it and, you know. Plug it in and do it again, yeah. But now, but now, you know, we only have so much of a budget from Yamaha and everybody else that we can't blow through it, you know, by breaking stuff all the time. So I kind of developed my riding style to be more fluid and more gentle on the machine. But ultimately, I honestly, you know, the Yamaha itself is – like it just worked with me like it just it just worked and it's a tough machine that you know we put it through some gnarly gnarly conditions and you know it keeps running so i never go to the line uncertain of my machine that it's going to get me across the finish line and and was that even at the beginning you know were you already sold on this thing yeah, like, oh, oh man, like, Can-Am, like, we would still tear up transmissions and cranks, and so we would, I'd be practicing on this machine all year, and, you know, Cox is like, hey, like, we should tear into this bottom end and see if, see how everything is, like, it's, it's been a while, like, we got 30, 40 hours in this thing, and we take it apart and tear up the transmission, the crank, and and he's like, dude, everything's fine. Everything looks good. Let's put it back together. So, you know, from there, because, you know, riding down the sand in Florida, it is super hard on 
everything. Oh, yeah, of course and it is. When I went through that kind of, you know, hours on the machine and it's still running strong and not having missing a beat, like, I'm gaining confidence. Like, I'm, I'm like, okay, we got a really strong machine. You know, we just got to, you know, be clean everywhere. Of course, yeah. So that was... That was 2012, and yeah, you you ended up dominating. You didn't make it look like it was your first championship. Uh, yeah, you know, winning more than half of the races, and you from the beginning on that Yamaha looked like it just was meant to be. You know, your riding style, the way you fit it. I don't know if it was if it's better for a bigger rider or, or it fits the bigger rider well, but from the very beginning, I remember from Aonia Pass on. It was like you and that thing were meant to be. And you made, I don't know, did you make a last corner pass at Aonia or something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what like I thought. That was, that was round one at Aonia. Natalie was leading the whole race, and I was stalking them and could not find a way around. And I got a good run through the rollers and squared them up and drag, drag raced them down a straightaway, ended up making the pass and went on to the win. And I remember seeing a photo like Ian Harris from SSI, like very, we're very close, great friend. Yeah. And he is, he's like, he put a lot into my program that year. Cause you know, we were running it ourselves. Like he, he was very involved. And I remember seeing a photo of him in the stands, jumping off of the stands, like four stands up onto the ground, like so excited that I won. And, like, if you know Ian, like, he's pretty chill. Like, you know, he doesn't get too excited. No, he's a cool cat. He's always and, like, reserved. To see, to see that, like, and see how much it meant to him and how much it, you know, it meant to me that I knew that I had very good people in my corner that were going to have my back and get me, you know, ultimately to the very end to win my first championship. I, and I was going to ask you that earlier was when Ian – really got involved because I had heard in the past, you know, that he was maybe there from the very beginning or helped you get into it. But was he around prior to, you know, coming on so strongly when you kind of started your own effort? Oh yeah. Uh, He's always been there. And, but I mean, when I'm riding for a factory team, like, yeah, you're feeding the factory, you know, with graphics and everything like that. It's not a whole lot of like me, Inter, inter, intertwining with him. I see. Because, yep. you know, so now we're really, we're, we're talking on a, you know, a daily basis. And, and you're, you're from, uh, yes. close, close to Ian. Yeah. Yeah. We, we live in the same town. That's what know? I thought. Yeah. I didn't know how that all started or yep. did, so did you get him into ATVs or, or was that already before well, all that? Well, like, uh, our second race that I ever did, he came out and raced that one too. So it was just coincidence that you yeah, guys just, crossed paths. We never, yeah, we never met each other prior to that, and like, you know, they, like, uh, you know, his family owned Signcraft Screen Print, and he made SSI into, you know, the motocross extreme sport brand. Oh yeah, I mean, they you can't imagine ATV motocross. Nowadays, without them, or, or motocross in general, doing dirt bike stuff, supercross stuff, pro motocross yep. stuff, across the board. So, because was there was there a time there where he was helped, like 
helping one of the factory teams, or was that is that not true? For, for like, was he ever for support, well for you guys? Was he ever supporting oh, yeah. any of the any of the factories yeah. you were on? That's what I thought. Yeah, um, actually, I want to say we ran his graphics. For one year on Suzuki. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I thought. I thought it was the Suzuki. And then we had, Ner- uh, Ner- I want to say, N style or Nerf style, whatever it is for Cowie. And then at them at uh, MotoWorks, we had SSI as well. Okay, yeah, I, I, it's it's I've thought about this in the past that you know without without you and without however you and Ian got together. I mean, that really changed the whole landscape of ATV motocross and SSI's involvement and uh, everything else like that. Yeah. Like I remember, I remember him taking me to races. This is, these are some of the stories that I've heard. That's, this is what I was getting at. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, him taking me to races, you know, I'm not, I'm not 18 years old yet. So like he's, signing on as my legal guardian and, you know, um, you know, it's just like, uh, just really cool memories. Like going to, going to, like going to, uh, we went out to Iowa a couple of times. We've been to nationals and, you know, just being accepted into his family and, you know, this guy holding me around to go to races, you know, it's, and we've been super tight ever since and still are. And, um, Awesome, awesome family. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, especially, especially you know, being being under eighteen. I mean, you'd need somebody like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how your blood family like was into it or not into it at the time. But yeah, you definitely need people that are gonna enable it at that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they were all into it, but like not, you know, they weren't gonna haul me around the races, you know, like. I was old enough to drive, but I wasn't old enough to sign up on my own, you know. Right, yeah, of course. Yeah, like I said, you need you need somebody. Yeah, and I remember, you know, him having his first daughter and them going to Daniel Boone and going racing and uh, in London, Kentucky, and, oh, man, just <laughs> it's it's crazy that, you know, his oldest daughter now just graduated and it's going to college and it's like wow like where did time go like it's <laughs> it's crazy, crazy. yeah, yeah. yeah it's, and it's but it, how cool is it that he's been there from the very beginning you know yeah um, yeah that's pretty like, special like like just to see beginning. the just to see the transition you know he's stuck yeah. it out through all the stuff you went through so that's got to be a pretty special bond yeah and he's still riding too oh of course yeah he shows up every year and wins walnut yeah i know like he brings out the boots and goes to Walnut. He usually tries to go to Red Bud too. Like those are two really awesome tracks to go to. And yeah, he usually makes it out to those and shoot out there winning uh, plus forty B class. So I know. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I pretty much give him. A, I give him. A, give him a hard time every 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 year about uh, you know it's because of all the practice that he does. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> he gets well rested. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hope you're enjoying the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Just like Chad and many others, including myself, we couldn't do it without the support of Ian at SSI Decals, and the production of our show wouldn't be possible without our sponsors. It means the world to me that 
the following brands would entrust me and support my project from its inception without really knowing what to expect from this. First and foremost, a huge thank you to CST Tires, csttires.com, for coming on as the title sponsor. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics. Of the countless riders I've turned on to CST Tires, not a single one has been disappointed. Join the takeover and upgrade to CST today. Our featured guest is brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain. This patented X-Ring racing chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer overall chain life, setting the standard and making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick out the ATV2 chain at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go DID. We are also supported by Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Our Sight Lab intro segment is brought to you by Evans. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans Coolant prevents boil over so you never have to pull over or worry about your engine no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles, and more. Use what the pros use. Choose Evans today. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hattrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV Motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. Finally, our fan question segment is brought to you by 100% and their new Armega goggle out now. Thanks to those guys for the support and supplying us with awesome 100% giveaways. Not to mention the new goggle that is setting the standard in moto. Now back to the show. So, um, so we ended with 2012. That was your your first championship, and uh, really the beginning of the, you know, excuse me, one of the most incredible streaks that you know or or, or stats you got going is this um, this podium streak. So it started in 2012, 2013. That next year was, I mean, maybe on paper your most successful or strongest. So how much different was the dynamic now with, with Yamaha? Yeah, I mean, they came on board, you know, salary, you know, more budget. You know, they that was their first, uh, you know, AMA Pro Championship. So they, they came on and really helped out my program a lot. And I, you know, I signed with, you know, Maxis. I signed a money deal with them. And, okay. like, you know, I'm starting to make money now. You know, just um with the with these companies and uh they're knowing that you know i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not coming off an injury and not uh, have a big question mark on my back you've, you've solidified yeah. and now like yeah. you like you had said i mean i don't know what it would have been but basically like four quads and five years or six years or whatever you were switching quads almost every year yeah now, now you've solidified you have your base and it, and it yeah. didn't even it didn't even take a transition year to figure out the quad. You guys had it figured out, won a championship. You're moving into year two, and and that was the year that you brought Thomas on, right? 
Yeah, brought Thomas on and we worked together and, you know, he had, you know, good success too. I, I want to say he won, won his first race that year too. And, um, but, uh, yeah, like 2013 wrapping up the championship early at Redbud and like definitely my strongest year, but I think, you know, we, we honestly, didn't change much from 2012 all the way up until I want to say we ran the pretty much the same machine for four years. And yeah. And we just did a little bit of suspension testing, nothing too crazy. And, but everything chassis wise, engine wise, we ran the same thing. And all of a sudden we have, uh, Joel Hetrick knocking on our door and, we have to get back to work and start our engine development again. So Tom Alaska really went to work and um, got us some more power and some more torque. And uh, you know, we, we ended up, you know, we ended up winning, you know, two uh, another uh, two more two more championships from there. You know. Uh, 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. So, so 12, you won first year on the Yamaha. Uh, then 13, 14, you won both both years. You won every race but two. So those were you know, those were pretty strong. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then and yeah, in 15, I don't know if that was the year. No, no. I think Joel crashed at the beginning of the next year. But um, yeah, in fifth in in 15, you won. You know, half the races and. I mean, yeah. still at this point, like, how many years is that now? Ever since you started on the Yamaha, um, that you hadn't missed the podium in a single race. Yeah. Yeah, just touching on that, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I just have in my mind that I need to do everything I need to do at least to get on the podium because, you know, that's how – that's been always been, you know, for those – since 2012, that's been my remedy of – winning championships like let these other guys dig their own holes and let me just stay consistent and you know bring bring championships home and like honestly from obviously 12 i really remember that one i really remember 13 like 14 15 you know yeah i I remember those but obviously they seem like a blur that's like exactly me. that's exactly what I was going to ask you. Is if you know, does it does it kind of all just gel into one because you're stringing all these things together? Yeah, like I mean, I just like I remember the you know the first one, you know, the second one was a very strong like performance, but like man, it's just so hard to like they they do gel into one. It's but you know now like you know. Last year, obviously, I remember that one very well. But, um, you know, prior to that, you know, I remember the one that I didn't win. <laughs> so well, I, I think that as athletes, right, like they say, you know, you remember the ones that didn't go your way or you remember the losses, you know, more vividly than the wins. Yeah. See, like, ah. Uh, because in in on paper, Chad, it doesn't. I mean, it looks like it should be a tie, but 
Joel had like a really strong run there at the end of the year. I don't know if it was like three, three overalls maybe. Yeah. Pretty close to the end. Um, but you know, I guess the craziest thing for me, like, so take us through what it's like, like, do you do most of the wrenching on your stuff during the week? Like, do you do most of the wrenching in general on your machines? I do. I do all the wrenching. That's what I thought. <laughs> That's what I thought, which yeah. is the, is the most amazing part to me. Cause now keeping these things alive is not only on you as a rider, but it's on you as a wrench. You know, the fact that you haven't had a DNF or a mechanical in so long, um, and like I said, you're hands-on with all of it. That's, like, literally mind-blowing. Yeah, like, after Ryan Cox left, you know, he went to work for uh, Troy Lee Design's KTM team in 2013. So that for 2012, that whole year, he pretty much taught me everything I needed to know about working on my machine and keeping it keeping it running because he was focused on building the race machines and keeping those, keeping those going. He didn't have time to work on my practice machine. Right. So I, I did all the top ends. I did, you know, everything of that sort, you know, the work on the practice machines. So he taught me the ins and outs and I'm really glad he did because, you know, when he took off that next year, I had, I didn't like, I mean, there's only a few people that I trusted, but I couldn't afford to, um, the people that I did trust, I couldn't have them move, you know, to Illinois and work here. So I took on me wrenching and building all my race machines, all my practice machines in between preps of each race. And then I hired Turner to mechanic for me on the race weekends. But, you know, and I did that for the first year, and I was like, man, like, you know, it really takes up a lot of my time, but I know that nobody's going to do the job that I want to do to my machine better than I can just because I know the way that I like my machine. So I've I've been continuing doing that for since 2013. Sure, and and do you think that that makes you – you almost a better rider or you can ride the machine better understanding how it works and, and Oh yeah. And you know, a lot of kids that I you know, I teach and they don't know anything about their machine, they don't know how to work on them. And I'm sitting there like I'm telling their parents, I'm telling them like you have to give your son or daughter some responsibility to work on their machine a little bit so they understand how it works and how you know when you're feeling things, you're hearing things, you know, what it could be. And um, it really helps you understand how your chassis works and how suspension works. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good trait to learn, but man, like it's, <laughs> it took me a long time to learn it. It's extra rewarding too. I'm sure because you're hands on with every piece of this machine. When you, when yeah. you win, when you win, it's, not oh, just yeah. on the track. It's not just in the gym. It's not just driving the truck there. It's in the shop and everything else. I mean, the whole program is fully hands-on, all you. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 that's rad. Just you know, at the end of the day, like you you know, you take a step back and you know you realize you know what what you've accomplished and 
I really didn't take a step back until I lost my first one on the Yamaha. Okay. Like, I was always looking forward and didn't really look in the past of what I did. You know, I like, I was always like, we're on to the next one. Let's go on to the next one. You know, and, um, you know, I lost my first one in 2017 and, you know, Tom Alaska, my engine builder, he's like, Chad, you have to, you have to look back at what you've done. And I was just like, what do you mean? Like, Chad, like you won five consecutive championships. Like, do you ever take a step back and just, you know, not necessarily accept, but just reminisce about what you've done. Appreciate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I really didn't do that until then, that whole off season, you know, I appreciated what I did and what I, what we've been able to accomplish as a team. And, you know, my team is a very small group of people, but there's a lot of people that support it, but there are very few people that have their hands on it. And, you know, between my wife, you know, Tom, we got uh, Mikey from Walsh Racecraft, you know, that, like, that was it. Yeah, yeah, which, like I said, it's all on, it's all on you and your tight group, and it's gotta, it's gotta double down on how, uh, how, um, you know, how much it means to you when you, when you're successful. And I, I really think that's been, uh, like the remedy that has worked out for me is that you have the least amount of moving parts. Of course, yeah, in in consistency, right? I mean, you're you have less variation because you're in control of it all. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, if I if I'm slacking and I do something wrong or take a shortcut, yeah, it can bite me. But I have not been brought up that way, and I know that by taking shortcuts, that is <laughs> that's a big no-no in our in our sport. Of course, yeah. So. So that was 2017. You lose a championship. You're, um, you're, but you're reminiscing now. You're reminiscing on, on uh, all that you've done, and um, it almost felt to me from afar like it was kind of like 2006 all over again. You know, maybe you weren't rebuilding yourself, but you could sense a change. You know, yeah. and maybe that was you appreciating what you had done. But um, man, it sure seemed like you came into 2000. 18 last season hungry as could be yeah i mean we we came in there swinging just man we won the you know the first two motors of the year and like a big mistake on mine the, the third motor of the year i <laughs> did a huge rookie mistake i didn't put my machine all the way into gear and on the second hole shot and i put myself in a bad position out of the gate and probably one of the best rides that I've had in years coming through the pack and getting back to second and uh, in between the following rounds I I uh, fractured my heel oh really and nobody really knew this I mean there's something about moto that you know you just don't release what happens to you like if something happens it's like you're it's almost like you're showing weakness. Right. Not like, not like somebody's going to walk up to you and kick you in the heel, but yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to show any, any chink in the armor. 
Yeah. And uh, so I was in a walking boot for uh, a couple weeks, and, like, I was still trying to ride, and it just kept getting – it never got better. Oh, sure. Yeah, because heels are tough. Heels are real tough. So I just took some time off, and we went to Texas, and, like, we we weren't obviously 100%. But I felt like I can go there and win. And, you know, we went there and won, but, you know, Joel was riding very well there. And, you know, pretty much what I've, you know, let everybody just make their own mistakes and me just ride my races and don't worry about them. And that's the way it went, you know, pretty much that whole year. But, you know, Joel was, Joel was on gas that whole year and you know i would i would fight back and we would have some good motos and i would come out and win some motos and he would win some motos and we went into redbud and i was down i was down i think i was down i was down 11 points okay going into redbud i want to say Going into Redbud, yeah. So I had to go on pretty much a four moto win streak. Okay. To win the championship outright. And I went in there and I won the first moto. And then it rained. And, and it rained the second moto. Got a good start. Went into the next turn and <laughs> I got spun out. I got spun out by Joel and, uh, at the end of the race, Super fired up because I knew that, for I, like the ball was no, no offense, no offense to like the other riders that I was racing with. You know, with there wasn't many guys that were going to get in between us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like help, help my cause. So, like that night, I remember sitting in the motorhome and I'm like screaming into my pillow that I'm so mad, but like ah, like. That was my opportunity, and, it, and it's slipping away. And before I went to bed, I'm telling myself, I calm myself down, and I'm like, Chad, anything can happen. You put your put your put your smile on. Get out there on Sunday. You know, enjoy the day of like watching amateurs racing. And I trained my tail off between then and uh, Loretta's. But you, so you were going through this though, saying that there's a chance. You weren't one of those. Oh, yeah. that, you weren't somebody that was saying like this is too good to be true. Yeah, like I, I knew that. Uh, Jeremiah came up to me on Sunday after Red Blood, and he came up to me. He's like, you know, Weenan. <sighs> Gary Denton went down to Loretta's. He was down. He was down 14 points going into Loretta's and he ended up coming out of there and winning the championship that year. And I'm like, and I'm like, man, like I'm only down, I'm only down like 11 points or something like that. So (laughs) I'm like, okay, well I've, you know, I start taking positive and I come back home. I'm training, heat training. I'm, getting myself as prepped as I can. Yeah. And then when I when I was in high school playing football, 
we won we won a lot of championships in football, like through like different class class of years. We won we won like three championships in the matter of like eight years. Okay. And um, we had so the first year one of the, one of the guys he wore a pair of socks to the championship game, and we won. And he passed them on to another another uh, teammate. And we ended up winning again. Okay. And the team, and the next teammate, uh, well, it was my brother that gave him to me, and I wore them. And we we won the state championship by we were in overtime, and we uh, forced a, a missed field goal to win the game. Oh wow! And like. We call that the Cinderella season. We went, we went to the playoffs six and three. Okay. And we, we had no bit, like at that point in time, we had no business of, we got lucky to make the playoffs six sure. and three. Yeah. Long shot. Yeah. And so we, we beat three number one seeds going through the playoffs. And so I considered those socks to be good luck. Okay. So I pass them on to another player, a great class below me. They go on and they win a championship them, themselves. And the dad of that, of his son, he, he ends up at my door before Loretta's. <laughs> and he gives me these socks back. Just out of the blue. Out of the blue. He's oh, like, my. hey, Chad, I figured you could use some luck this weekend. <laughs> So I take these socks with me and I wear them the whole, I wear them the first moto. Okay. And that happens. And that, that, yeah. And then, so that first moto, you know, there's bad, bad luck for Joel. Um, yeah. So what goes, so yeah, so what goes through your mind when you see, when you see, you know the number one, I guess, at the time. That's what Joel was running. What do you What do you think when you go by? Like honestly, I didn't even know. I didn't know he was broke down. I did not see him. Oh really? Okay. I didn't see him, but all I knew going into that race is that I had to win, and that's that was your only focus. I, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I would look at the pit board every once in a while, but like I didn't see when Mike put on the pit board. 88 out oh my goodness so i'm i finished the moto and i get back to the truck and i'm like i didn't see joel anywhere where'd he finish he's like dude like he was like 15th i'm like what <laughs> the, the lucky socks the lucky socks yeah, yeah the lucky socks man so i take these socks off and i wear new socks in between every moto we put them in front of the fan and <laughs> we dry them <laughs> off. We get them ready for motor two. Yeah, we're slapping these suckers back on. Yep. And basically, all I had to do was finish third or better. And I knew Joel was going to be hot. He came out and he won the second moto. And Thomas was in front of me, and I just let him go because I knew I had all I had to do was get third. And I brought it home, and I brought home this, my sixth championship. But a year ago, 
it was almost like deja vu of me being out front, winning that second moto when Joel was bringing his championship home. Right, yeah. Yep. And I remember seeing him on the point of the track where he he was going by, but that was me the year before. Sure, yep. And, like, I had just the craziest, like, deja vu from that year before and going around and I'm like, man, like, what a difference it is going around that track knowing that this is the best I can do and I'm probably not going to win the championship. But this year, like, I didn't ever see myself going into that second moto with me being on that end of the stick. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure it happened so fast, you know, after what what happened at Redbud, you know, you you training your ass off from Redbud to Loretta's, and then, boom, like, everything changes. Yeah, it was so fast, and, like, it took, it took a lot of time for it to settle in because, I mean, yeah, I believe that anything could happen, but, man, like, what are the odds? Yeah, that's that's amazing. Championship effort. Yeah, and I never, I mean, I never quit believing that I couldn't do it. But and that was a question that I that I kind of had was, you know, some people just put it out of their mind and say, you know, I'm going to do my best, but it's probably not going to be enough. But you were believing the whole time, and yeah. uh, and you pulled it off. So you mentioned. You mentioned Gary Denton. I mean, so he has eight. Like, is that something that you think about? Is that something that's on your radar? I mean, no. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't want to chase like you know what he has and what he's done. And you know, I, I just want to, I just want to enjoy you know what I, what I get to do every day and. I want to keep winning championships, and yeah, when it's my time to step away, you know, wherever that is, it is, and, you know, I just, I never really think about trying to eclipse his eight-time championship, because it's, it's something that's just totally different, like, he won with TT, Moto, and, you know, I don't know how he was able to put eight years consecutively together. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's such a different time. Such a different it's like a it's basically like a different sport at that point. But and I and I thought I knew the answer to your question because uh like you saying, it was just always on to the next one, the next race, the next championship, whatever it may be. But so do you find yourself you know, after the the one that you lost in the middle of there, do you find yourself taking in the little things, taking in these races and these memories more now than you did previous to that? I mean, absolutely, because, you know, I was so used to success. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I still have success, but, you know, I have a we have other riders that are really starting to ride really well and, getting the total package that can go out and win championships. And, uh, it's, you know, I felt like those couple of years that I was really winning championships, like I felt like I was a man out riding against boys. Right. You were on another level. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just like on another level. And 
Like, I always felt that I was thinking and being smarter than they were at all times. Like, they were living in the moment, but I'm, I'm, I'm like five, six laps ahead of them, you know, just thinking of like how I'm going to approach this and this situation. And, you know, I knew the rider that was in front of me. I knew their tactics and I knew what they're going to do and there's their endurance, you know, everything. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's how it, that's how it seemed at the time. Just you being so calculated, like on another level of calculation, you know, you were just spot on all the time. And these days, there's not much calculation. It's pretty much as hard as you can go. Yeah, well, I think that we saw that at this at the last race because I don't think I've ever seen two guys go as fast as, as you and Joel did at Muddy Creek. Yeah, and you had Thomas Brown there knocking on the door too. And, and Thomas, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, since, since the year that you guys rode together, I've never seen – I mean, Thomas is on another level too, so the three of you guys, and, and obviously Jeffrey's fast, but um, – yeah, the, the class is stacked right now, and a bunch of guys that elevated their game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's getting interesting, and, you know, I would say the last round was probably, it wasn't my best best of efforts. I kind of struggled with my my machine, and uh, when we went down to Walnut on Sunday, I figured out what it was, so I came home with a big smile on my face. I felt really comfortable on the machine. And I feel like coming into Walnut that we, I feel like we have something really special coming, you know, that we have been looking for, I think, this, this off season. Like, it's, it was all my fault, you know, just, um, doing that beach race over in, uh, over in Argentina. Okay. And, like, kind of bringing a little bit of setup from that. But that's a totally different beast over there. And sure, yeah. I was wanting to try something new, and it felt good at the time. At a couple tracks that we raced, but when we got to that track, it did not work at all. Okay. And I didn't. I was almost too too focused on that I could just ride it and deal with it. So I was I was unhappy with my performance. I never rode a race so de- so defensively in my life. So I, I just, that day, I did not have pace to win the race. I had enough pace to maybe block to win the race, but that's not my style, and no. I don't like to ride it like that. No, and, and just, but still, I mean, even even with, uh, you know, you had to ride somewhat defensively. You definitely weren't blocking, but because the pace you guys was, were running was, was, was crazy. But, uh, yeah, so you, you found something at Walnut, see? I knew there was a reason why you went by me so damn fast. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but um, but so in the midst of everything that was going on last season, um, you know the the ups and downs. We now know that you were hurt a little bit at one point. Um, you know you win this championship at the very end, but in the middle of there, uh, Lakin is born. Your your, yeah. your your first child, your son is born. And that was the Sunset Ridge weekend, right? Yeah, it was, it was race day. Race day, he came, and Danica's water broke first moto, and she kept it from me the whole the whole day until after our second race. And after the podium, we 
pretty much jetted to the hospital. So she didn't tell you until then? She didn't tell me until then. What an amazing story. Oh, my gosh. I like I was kind of like upset that she didn't tell me, but I mean, yeah, it would have definitely messed with me being on the gate and be like, my mind would have been other places, you know. Talk about taking it for the team. I know, and I wish, I wish I had a different story because that was the first time I ever gotten beat at my home track by uh, getting second both motos and Joel taking one one. Okay. So I was I was upset, but then I very quickly forgot about that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I can't imagine what the like the next week or or week and a half was up to up to the next race because uh, I mean I'm not a father, so I don't know. But it's got to change your whole world, right? It does. It does. And you know, the easiest way that I can put it is a lot of things that used to matter in your life really don't mean as much. <laughs> And I mean, does do you think that that almost gives you an, an advantage as as an athlete because you stop thinking everything needs to be perfect and you, I mean, you tell me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I honestly like it really hasn't slowed me down, but like for one, I don't use my cell phone as much anymore, and like a lot of the time wasting things. Okay. Yep. Really sucked me in before that. Now it's like. Everything, my time has to be well spent every day because, you know, between, you know, the first thing in the morning I do, like I'll, I'll hang out with Lakin for a couple hours in the morning. I'll, if he's really good, he'll let me do some stretching and, uh, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, that's, I try to integrate him with, you know, my, my my day as much as I can of course yeah and you know like today like um, Danica went and did like a yoga class and I hung out with him in the morning and you know I came down I worked in the shop for a little while and got my machine ready to ride today and you know he hung out outside a little bit while I was riding and you know it's very special you know that he's he's able to be around and you know be intertwined with my normal day and not just be totally separated and then all of a sudden I come back home like if I had a nine to five job like you know it, it's very special that I can spend a lot of time with him. Yeah, yeah, that was my question was if it changed your you know perspective a little bit. Not that not in a hindrance at all, but was more. Um, you know, you being grateful for basically what you're saying, like to integrate him right in. And someday he's going to see the pictures of being with dad at the practice track. And if this goes on for long enough, he's going to remember being with dad at the practice track, being with dad in victory lane or on the podium, you know? Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) pretty cool. And like, he really takes a liking to like being around the machines and, you know, he's saying dad, dad, like he's very close to being, walking soon and like um you know it's very cool and i think the toughest thing for me is that like to shut to like i really i can really focus on like what i'm doing but like sometimes even when i'm with him i'm thinking about racing i'm thinking about what i got to do next to my machines sure and I, i have a hard time shutting off like what's going on in my head with 
you know, my job. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the toughest thing on me right now that like when I'm with him, I want to be hundred percent with him and not be like, I'm not, I don't want to be thinking about my job when I'm with him. Right. Yeah. You're kind of making the most of your time with him when you're with him and you're making the most of your time with the, with the machines and at the racetrack. Right. I mean, that's what you're kind of getting at. Like it's yep. uh, the highest quality time focused on whatever you're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, like I said, that's uh pretty special and someday it's going to be pretty special for him too. You know, um, that's that's pretty cool. So one one of the one of the last things I want to touch on uh, is the the quad cross of nations. So um, you guys went over in seventeen. Where did you guys go again? We went to Italy. Okay, so, so yeah, so tell tell us about that a little bit. Well, um, our first year of doing it, and shoot, like it came quick because. Like we've talked about it, but all of a sudden, like that, that spring, we really went into effect of, yes, if we're giving it a green light, we're going. We had to figure out the container and personnel, get all the parts, machines. Like, I don't know how we did it in time for it to, for the container to leave. Okay. And we got everything ready. We got, uh, Thomas, Joel, and myself on the team. We got Mark Baldwin, Harv, um, you know. Kind of all the staples, all the staples of the ATV community here. Yeah, yeah, like, and I had Mike Walsh wrenching for me. Uh, Thomas had his dad, and, you know, Joel had Brandon, and we went over there. We went over a week early. Um, shoot, I was there for, I was there total 40 days. Oh my! Because we went over, we know we went over for Pontevo. Oh yeah, okay, sure. And, yep. And we ended up, we ended up just staying in France, and we went to Switzerland. We went to, we went to Italy eventually, you know, and we just toured around. I didn't ride a whole lot. I, I think I only rode. I only think I rode two times other than the Pontevo race. Okay. So I'm there for a month, and I've ridden twice. Yeah, that's that's. Talk about changing up your program. Yeah, changing up the program and, you know, I wanted to ride, but I knew that, you know, my wife, she she, she pretty much throws down every, everything in her life during races. Yeah. For, yep. for race season. And I, you know, this is a fun race for us. Obviously, we want to go there and win, but I'm like, okay. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity for us to go to Europe and be here, the two of us. And so, you know, we just toured around and, you know, together and just enjoyed life and saw a lot of cool sights, ate a lot of food and drank wine in Italy. And, uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a time in my life. And, you know, we, we show up to, uh, Chingoli and rest of the team shows up. We have this awesome house that we're staying in. Like this, this place is amazing and, uh, great views right up on, like pretty much on the side of the mountainside. And everybody gets there. We're all jazzed and we get machines unpacked from the container. We go ride and actually today I saw on Antonio Caroli's, uh, 
Instagram okay. that he's riding at the same track that we tested our machines at. Oh, really? Yeah. So I so I ta- so I tag uh, Thomas and Joel in there. I'm like, hey, does this look familiar to you guys? <laughs> yeah. So like, look at that guy, like Crowley, you know, nine time, you know, world world, world champion. champion. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, small world, you're on the same track that we were at, and he's out there practicing. The track looks about the same condition that we rode it in. Dries can be rocky. <laughs> and that's that's one thing that I know moto guys over there do. They don't care what the conditions are. They just ride it. They just run it. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. but uh, long story short, with that, uh, so we ride there. We get everything ready. Um, everything's like a, a thumbs up, a go. We go to you know we're eating great food in Italy, and we get the te- everybody the team and together and uh, my family shows up and you know we just have a great time we go to go to tech we struggle with sound so we're so sitting you were there too we're, loud you were too loud we're too loud yeah we're too loud with sound and uh so we have to really start <laughs> stuffing anything we can find in our <laughs> exhaust to get it to, to quiet down okay and we're taping up our air box and everything, just trying to quiet everything down. And we got him to pass eventually. And Joel had to run a different exhaust to get his to pass. Okay, sure. So just a stressful day because we're like, shoot, we're going to get all the way here and we're not even going to pass tech. Right, yeah. Yeah, because there's only, I mean, at some point there's only so much you can do. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much stuff that we brought. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you got to cram, cram it in a container and send it over there. So it's not like you're working out of your out of your truck. Yep. So we we got him to pass, and race day, you know, uh, qualifying day comes up, and we get out there, and we're we're one, two, three fastest, and <laughs> you know we're we're just on another level. Yeah, that, it looked that it looked day, like it. That track really suited us really well. Really jumpy and jumping right in the turns so we're setting our machines up in the air and yeah you know we go there and we we win every moto and last moto of the day rains and it's a mud race and we get out there and this really leveled the playing field because those guys can ride in the in the mud <laughs> oh yeah europeans across the board they're mud, yep. mud riders yep so it evened up the playing field and uh, they got, cut the race short because of the fog. It was just crazy conditions. Like, I never rode in conditions like that before. Like, we would be taken off from, I remember a couple jumps would be taken off, but you couldn't see the landing until you were ready to land. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's. It was gnarly conditions, and, you know, we went on to win our first one there at, in Italy, and <laughs> next year we're heading to Denmark, and I'm chosen again with Thomas and Jeffrey this year. Yep. And we head over there and they're like, okay, you're not winning this year. <laughs> and we're, you know, we're like, well, I mean, there's always a chance we might not win, but you know, we don't know what we're getting ourselves into because they say it's different with the sidecars. This track's sandy and it's going to get ruddy. They were definitely right about that. Yeah. It looked, uh, even like some of the bikes that they were riding, there was that one Honda, and yeah. uh, it was like a dirt bike. You know, it was so tall, 
and yeah. I assumed that that was because of you know the the sand and the ruts and stuff that you guys had to ride in over there. Yeah, it was like the craziest conditions I've ever rode in. Like bicycling, like bicycling through the corners because you had to. Yeah, like I don't really go through a lot of ruddy corners, like offsetting my outside tire, like waiting it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it was it was pretty wild, and um, you know we adapted very quick. Okay. You know to the conditions, and you know we ran smaller tires than everybody else, and you know everybody's just there, like no way, like you guys are, you guys aren't gonna win like this. And we went out there and we <laughs> we won again. Yeah, it, it but it seemed like it was. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it was a struggle, but it was like harder obviously to achieve the win it was yeah. like almost like you guys were more emotional or showed more i don't know passion or whatever because it was harder to attain last year yeah i mean the conditions were just not what we're used to like when we rode in italy that was like that would have been like going to muddy creek or something like that hard yeah. pack yeah hard yeah. pack track like high point or something yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, off cambers and like you said, yep. jumps in the corners and yep, real hilly and you know just we went here and super tight track, you know, the ruddiest conditions ever and you know yeah we had we had a little more work cut out for us, yep. but like results on paper didn't show how much work it was. Oh yeah, because and there was if I remember correctly, I mean you guys were coming through the pack and like it was i mean it was in it was in doubt at at some points like for sure yeah you know when thomas broke his chain we're like that's first mode of the day he breaks his chain and now you're now your throw it's already thrown out the window yeah yep and so we're like we gotta be we gotta be spot on the rest of the day because otherwise like we might not we might not win and so we're scrambling we're trying to we're worried about the chains and stuff like that, so we're all swapping chains to a, you know, to a, uh, to a riveted chain. Okay. Which we didn't bring with us, so we had to Harv went on a on a on a on a hunt to find <laughs> chains for us, and so that was interesting. And okay. And nobody had nobody allegedly had a tool to do the riveted chain so they just use two hammers together oh and my gosh we're peening we're we're peening chains together with hammers yes so we're like i'm just sitting there i'm like i don't know about this guys oh like, my gosh we, they was just stick what we got <laughs> but um like jeremy warney a good friend of mine he's like don't worry chad like he's the best like the guy that's doing it okay and he's like he does this all the time i'm like okay jeremy i i trust you but you're you're racing for France. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's crazy. But, but yeah, and you know we ended up winning, and you know we're going to another sand track, uh, possibly this year if I'm chosen. And so where is that, Chad? That's in Germany. Okay. Okay. And uh, it just looks like it looks like such a such a cool deal. Um, and such an honor to to represent our country the way you guys do. Um, I can't imagine that 
they're I mean that's got to rank up there with as meaningful of things that you've done as an athlete. Yeah, certainly, and you know, like at the end of the end of the race, like the victors, they play their their they play they play the national anthem. Yeah, and you know that just reminds me of like, um, you know, being in high school, like super like emotional during the before the game. Yep. Getting hyped up and like uh, it brings tears to your eyes. Like when you accomplish something like that, how much hard you put into it, and it's not just for you; it's for your country and w- what you represent. Absolutely, absolutely. It means it means more. It, it's more than just for you. It's for for that. You know, it's, it's right. pretty pretty incredible feeling. I can't, I, I can't imagine being that far from home and. If it ever hits you, you think back to you know this this big, beautiful, prideful country that we come from, and you know there's the three of you plus your guys, yeah, rep- representing all of us halfway across the world, you know. Yeah, it's it's pretty surreal, and you know, I've always said any any time they ask me to do it, you know, I'm gonna be there. So. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully. You're doing it. You're representing us until uh, until you're not doing this anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was a moment. I don't know if it was in the last moto, but I think it was that you were almost taken out by a lapper. Yeah, yeah. So take us through that. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people thought it was intentional. Yeah, it's like at the point in time I thought it was too, and um, I had a really hard time getting around around the rider okay and like i was showing him a couple wheels and he would just stay in it and wouldn't really i mean you're not supposed to like give way but you're not supposed to impede our progress right well he didn't hold his line so yeah he didn't hold his line and i came down and um came down off the step down and he saw me and he's he finally checked up but all of a sudden, like, I'm diving down to an inside line, and I have my rear end tagged, and it feels like it's about ready to come out from under me. And I'm just like, no way did he just hit me. <laughs> and on the video, it looks like he shagged a, a you know, a, a right or a left or whatever direction he was going about as hard as he could. Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously I got calmed down by the end of the race. and Yep. Um, you know, I had more to focus on just that moment. So, but after that in the race and, you know, uh, the rider came up to me, he's like, Chad, like, I'm so sorry. I would, I would never, um, you know, he didn't speak much English and, you know, I felt bad for him because, you know, I was legitimately (laughs) sorry. Yes. He was legitimately sorry. Like he was tearing up, like talking to me well and you gotta i mean i'm sure you thought of this but you gotta realize like you guys are gods to those people over there you know nobody there's no i mean atv wise like we're the we're the mecca so i can't imagine it'd be it's like it's like the i don't know it's like the globetrotters or something huge you know going over there so i can't even imagine if he truly thought he wronged you um, I'm sure he was emotional. Yeah, yeah, he was, and you know, and then watching like the the feed from you know the race, <laughs> like 
People were angry. Yeah, people were very angry. And, I mean, I'm I'm happy that they are, but, like, you know, I, I feel really bad for him. You know, like, obviously, if it, it could have went bad real quick. Yeah, thankfully, for his, for his sake and our sake, uh, nothing worse came of it. But, yeah, it didn't look good at the time, for sure. And Kevin, Kevin was the announcer there. Okay. Yep. And he is talking. He's like, he's like, oh, that's dirty. Like, like he was, <laughs> oh, he was no. ready to throw, Kevin was ready to throw punches and start, start going to war. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, you know, people, you know, messaging in and saying like, oh my God, like, why are they doing that? Like, it's, you know, it's, it's just madness and the passion, you know, from everybody and, you know, when when it's a team event like that, it's not like they might not be fans of mine, but they're fans of us, and they don't, you know, they want to see us do well. And yeah, it's pretty cool that everybody can come together as one and you know win goals like that. Yeah, that's uh, very special, super special. And you know, I always wondered what it, what it's like because, you know, I mean. There's not a rivalry, maybe, between you and Joel. Maybe it is. Maybe you would consider it a rivalry. But it sure seems like the dynamic kind of changed after that first year of the Quad Cross of Nations. And maybe it's because you guys spent more time together. You're working for a common cause. But it was almost like there was more of a friendship there. Did that, I mean, that's what it seemed like from afar. Did it actually change? Uh, I mean, yeah, like we spent more time together. You know, you, you know, before that, you know, like I've never... I probably never sat down and really had a conversation with him, really. Right. Well, that's this weird thing. That's this weird thing we do as as racers. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's like you just kind of avoid the person you're racing real hard against. Yeah, and you know, I, I, I obviously like I compete with you know like Thomas and Jeffrey and you know yeah. others that you know. I don't feel like I have as as much of a um, like drive to beat. Okay. But I I was I was friends with them with like Thomas and Jeffrey before I started competing with them. Right. Yeah. So like with Joel, like I never I really wasn't like friends with them prior to like competing with them. Sure. So we didn't have a friendship before that, but. That's, it's not like, it's kind of like when you're competing against each other, especially your closest competition. Yep. You gotta have a little chip on your shoulder for them. Oh, of course. And, you know, to really push through the hard moments of, you know, being on the track, you know, when you're tired as can be and you can't feel your legs anymore and that extra little push, like, gets you through that. To, oh, like, no doubt. To finish out in front of them. No doubt. I mean, it's very difficult. It's always been difficult for me to, and I'm not on your level, but it's it's hard to be friendly with the person that you have to go be willing to run through a brick wall to beat, you know? Nothing against that person by any means. I mean, I'm, that's what you're getting at here. But, um, yeah, you definitely need that chip on your shoulder because if you're friendly with this person, maybe it's going to take a little bit of your extra oomph away. Yeah. So it sure seemed like that dynamic changed a little bit. And then, you know, it seemed like you guys were maybe a little bit more friendly, maybe a little bit 
you know, more, there was more communication, a little more joking around type deal. Then that thing at Red Butt happened last year, intentional or not. I mean, you were definitely fired up on the podium. And uh, so, but I would assume that being the competitor you are, um, ultra competitive, you wouldn't change any of this. You wouldn't change, you wouldn't not want Joel to be there or or have Joel not be at the level that he's at because maybe Joel and Thomas and Jeffrey and all these other good guys, but maybe because of that is the reason why you're still coming back for more. Because if it was easy for you, maybe your desire wouldn't be as as strong, right? Definitely. And, you know, I think that's why, like, a lot of the middle championships were kind of a blur because it's not like it was easy, but, like, it's definitely harder. But it was, like, expected, right? Yeah, yeah. And and not that it's not expected now, but at least, like, I mean, there's it's kind of like two pillars, and it's like, which way is it going to fall? That's, uh, (laughs) you know, that's what keeps me coming back and staying hungry. And, you know, I've always said, you know, when when it's time for me to be done, like either I'm gonna get scared, or I'm gonna be like I just don't want to do it anymore. Right. I mean, I don't have a hunger to push. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and that brings us, you know, kind of to to where we are now, where it sure seems like you're kind of rounding into form, and you know, maybe you you only have one. Is it one win on the season right now? Yep. You have one win so far, but you're as strong as ever. And you said you kind of turned over a new rock, maybe just just recently here, within the last week. Yeah. And now we're we're headed into some of your best tracks with Walnut being your home race. Redbud is one of, or or if not your favorite track, because that one gets rough. I mean, where do we where do we feel like we're at right now? Yeah, I mean, I just I'm looking forward to our next round, and um, you know. Mentally, I'm very, very strong right now. Like leaving, leaving Muddy Creek, I was kind of scratching my head. I'm okay. like, okay, like what was going on? Like I couldn't ride the machine that way I wanted to. But now that I just figured out my setup a little bit better, that you know I have very good confidence going into Walnut, and I think that's what I needed to like. Yes, I'm out front, but. I can't just finish second the rest of the year to win this thing. Yeah, I got to pick my pick my battles and pick you know which motos to go out and win. Yep. But I got to win these tracks that suit me. Of course. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, and uh, you know keep keep my train on my tracks and you know keep keep enjoying you know life. I mean, Lakin turns one at Sunday at Walnut, so. Um, so like you said, uh, it wasn't your, I don't, it wasn't your best effort. It wasn't memorable the weekend that he was born. So maybe you can kind of change that, uh, change that kind of narrative for his, for his first birthday there at the racetrack. Definitely. So, um, so, you know, I, I, the way that the comments that you've made, made it sound like you don't you don't have a timetable for when this thing is going to end um, or, or when you're going to be kind of ready to move on. Correct. Yeah. Like, you know, obviously I'm still shooting from the hip and yep. enjoying the moment and, 
you know, I still love racing. I love what I get to do every day. So, you know, when that day changes, uh, that'll be the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in the way that you're performing still, it seems like, you know, it's like you're in your prime. So that's pretty much the answer I expected. You know, where do you think, I mean, what do you think your next move is when it is done? Where do you see yourself kind of transitioning? It's hard to see you being away from, like racing or motorsports because you're so cut out to do that. But, um, you know, do you have a, do you have a plan? Do you have a, you know, do you see, your, uh, what, do, what do you see yourself doing? Yeah. I mean, you know what I really love doing? I really love the training, the, the stuff that people don't see. Sure. I really love doing that and the preparation. I know I do it really well and I can teach it. And that's what I would like to do is get, um, a, a rider or two that are really driven, that want to win, yeah. and try to develop them into national champions. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can totally so, see that with with your mentality and what you've what you've been through. I can see that for sure. I mean, two wheel or four wheel, like I, it wouldn't matter to me because it's it, they kind of transition over to each other. It all translates, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it all translates. I mean, maybe not like a riding coach, but the training. Right, yeah. Yeah, like the yeah the training part for sure. But, I mean, obviously, you know, the Wien Motorsports, our business is doing very well, and we've been able to create a name there, and I believe that I'll always be, like, invested in it and keeping that. And okay. what's... I don't see myself going a nine to five job, so I love being outdoors way too much. Yeah, and I think with the the talent you have and the desire you have and the love you have for this, it only makes sense that you uh, hopefully there you know let it uh, give back to the sport even when maybe you're not on the racetrack anymore. You know. Yeah. So. Well, Chad, I, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough for for doing this, and I think that we're surely going to have filled in some of the gaps. I mean, there was probably stuff said here about you know the Suzuki days, the Kawasaki days, the Can-Am days, the stuff that you had to overcome that maybe people didn't know about, even in the Yamaha years. And I mean, there was stuff said here probably that's never been said before. So yeah. I think that uh, think that the um, overall feel for Chad Weenan, other than being just a six-time champion robot. Like, that's, I think <laughs> the people that get done listening to this are going to think of you a different, a little differently. So I really appreciate you taking the time. It means the world to me, especially to to start off this, uh, you know, my podcast with uh, somebody of your stature. It just just means the world to me. Um so I got a couple. We're gonna finish with a couple fan questions here. Um, we got a couple fan questions. We got a lot of fan questions. I tried to pick out the best of them. Yeah. We got some uh, some ride hundred percent goodies that are gonna go to the best. Uh, the person that asked the best uh, question here. So, um, nice. so uh, racer one eleven asks, how did you choose the number forty four? Well, um, I originally started out with um 52 and that was um you know back when i was still racing locally and then i 
race nationals 52 and then Dana Creech had the same number. Okay. And so I had to change my number in professional ranks. So I went back to 44. That was my football number in, uh, seventh grade. Okay. I thought this was going to probably come back around to football. Yeah. So I uh, started using that number and that stuck. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. I always, I always, uh, that's one of my favorite questions is to figure out where people get their numbers from. Oh yeah. So, uh, I think we got another one here. Seth, Seth Richard asks, uh, what do you focus on while you're practicing and qualifying? Clean laps. And, you know, just trying to hit clean lines and especially in the morning, like some of the tracks can be like pretty slick. So just trying to limit mistakes. I think the biggest thing that people that slow them down is the mistakes they make around the track. Okay. Yeah. It's not about how fast they're going, but how many mistakes they make. Sure. I'm just out to limit my mistakes and ride as clean as I can. Trying to be ultra focused. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Blake 23354 asks, um, what initially made you fall in love with the sport of ATV motocross? Oh man, just, I just had a niche for it. Like growing up and, uh, I remember just riding ATVs was really something that I really got into. My cousin, they all had four wheelers and shoot. I remember, I remember like going out after snow blizzards and going out in our four wheelers and just riding tanks of fuel through our stuff and uh-huh. just enjoying being on out riding and you know then i started going to motocross and doing that and that's just exploded from there i remember i remember doing the same stuff being uh like riding my blaster riding my blaster in the snow for like you said gas tanks and gas tanks and gas tanks and pretending i was pretending i was racing chad weenan (laughs) <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so uh Jacob Haymauer uh he asks why do you like the Wisconsin Badgers? Oh, well, uh my grandma went to school there, she's alum and she brought me up, you know, being around Wisconsin and taking me to football games and Oh, okay. So that so that really uh tied me into being a Badger. Okay. Yeah, that's Cool, now we just need to get you off the Minnesota Viking bandwagon. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, so does that come from Danica's family? Because isn't she from over there? Or is that uh, No, no, no. Uh, she, she's actually just 15 miles down the road. Oh, okay. From, you know, from where we are here in Galena, in a small okay. town called Elizabeth. But the Vikings came about. My cousin that I really looked up to, he was a Vikings fan. And he pretty much pounded that into my head that oh. I need to be a Viking. Okay, I see, I see, I see. Um, yeah, all the all the influences that are around you that make you right. be a fan of what you are. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, no doubt. So now, this is something that I've heard over the years, and I don't know whether it's true or not because it hasn't come up to this point. But there was a rumor that you had the opportunity to play college football somewhere. 
Yeah. And you chose to do the ATV thing instead. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. Like, um, got, uh, basically accepted to go play ball and, uh, over for Iowa and, you know, it was, it was very tempting at that time. Okay. But like, uh, something with, Obviously, I love the team sports and all that, but, it, like, for you guys to have success, it takes everybody to be on the same page, to have 100% commitment. It takes all the players to do that. And it, sometimes it doesn't matter how much commitment you give. If one guy is just missing just a little bit, it affects the whole team. Absolutely. So I felt like for me to go racing – I can put more on my shoulders and try and make as much as I can out of what I'm going to give to to racing. So when times were tough and, you know, you had some trying years and, you know, before before you started winning stuff, did you ever regret that? You know, I always said if it didn't work out, I was going to go back and play football. Oh, okay. So that was like a contingency plan. Like that yeah. door that door wasn't shut. No, it wasn't shut, but obviously I'd be a walk-on, you know, yep. but I still, like, love, I love, like, the team sports. I, I really do. But at the time, I had more drive to want to pursue HG motocross. Okay. So, yeah, because uh, Mansky38 asked, why did you choose racing over football for Wisconsin? Um, so I kind of revised this question there by uh, – you know, yeah. finding out the details first. But uh, so those are the questions that, that I had from uh, the fans that we picked out. So of those few, which one stands out? Which one should uh, should get this uh, this swag that I got? Well, um, I like, I mean, obviously the racing number is a good one. I like that. Okay. We can, uh, we can um, pick two. We can pick two if you want. Two? All right. All right. Um and we'll throw it out to the guy asking about football. Okay, okay, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. So, uh, so yeah, they're going to get some, some goodies coming from uh, 100%. Um, so, yeah, Chad, I again, I really appreciate it. Um, I think this is a really cool thing for ATV Motocross. Hopefully we can build from here. It really uh, legitimizes what I'm trying to do here um, by having you on. So again, I can't thank you enough for joining us. And uh, I really now, as we record this, I just can't wait to go public with this because it's, uh, it's going to be really exciting and something that as a fan, I would have loved to have access to the stuff. I just listened to you tell me here tonight. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, thanks for having me and I'm looking forward to hearing it my, myself and, um, you do one of these live, I want to be a part of it at the races. Yeah, yeah, so uh, that's our plan. Uh, I guess we're, we'll kind of announce it here, preliminary, but, uh, yeah, we're going to hopefully plan to do a live show at Redbud, um, so people should be able to watch it uh, live online. You can come and kind of see it go down. My initial yeah. plan is hopefully, with your help, um, maybe we can get all the Team USA guys together, even – depending on who it all is, but let's bring Jeffrey, Thomas, because they were both on it the last couple of years, you, Joel. I mean, let's get 
those guys together and let's let's go live with this thing and uh you know cool. keep keep, uh, keep giving the fans what they want you know that'd be cool yeah so looking forward to it chad i can't thank you yeah. enough again um good luck at uh sunset ridge that's the next one up your home home race you're gonna have a bunch of people cheering for you yeah. um so again thank you so much and uh yeah it was uh an honor to uh, dig deep with you to, to kick off this podcast. Thanks so much, Chad. All right. Thanks, Cody. Yeah. So that was Chad Weenan. Can't thank him enough for coming on the show. And he said a lot of things that I don't think he's ever said before. So uncovered a lot of his story, uncovered a lot of things that we never knew. And uh, I think the overall feel, the overall image uh, I think he's going to have made a lot of fans from the people that listen to this. So, yeah, it was great to dig deep with the champ, Chad Weenan. Um, if you're tuning in, you're a true ATV motocross motocross fan at this point, almost uh, three hours into this thing, two hours and 20 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I can't thank you enough for joining us, and hopefully this is just something that can just – you know, continue to gain momentum. Not every show is going to be the same. We're not going to always just feature somebody's whole story. We're going to cover, uh, you know, the hot takes, popular stories, current events of the sport. And, uh, hopefully the plan right now is to, is to give you an episode between each race. And, uh, as Chad kind of mentioned, we're going to plan to do a, a live show at Redbud and, uh, continue just to bring you guys the content that we're all looking for. Um, Hopefully this is just the start of something of something huge. I have to thank the sponsors one more time that make this all possible. CST Tires, DID Racing Chain, Evans Power Sports Coolant, DP Brakes, and 100% without those guys and their support, um, the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast show wouldn't be possible. I also can't give enough thanks to my brother, who's the acting producer of this thing, Dallas, um, He's a tech guy, and obviously none of this would be possible without him. He's totally invested in it, and it's my dream, but um, it's something that he's 100% supporting in, and I couldn't do it without him. So I can't thank him enough. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Dallas, for everything that you've done for this project. Also, I need to thank my girlfriend, Taylor. Um, she's the graphic designer that's been helping me with all the look of the of the show, and Man, she makes me look probably more legit than, than the show even is at this point, so I can't thank her enough. And I also have to give a special thanks to uh, to my buddy Tyler Hamrick, who's been kind of was the number one guy to tell me that, you know, I should move forward with this. So I can't thank him enough. Um, he's definitely going to be a person who's going to be on the show, and um, he's definitely insightful. He's got all kinds of good ideas and questions. So I just want to give him a shout. He didn't make it on the, on the first episode here because – it was so long, but uh, I got to give him a shout out, and I can't thank him enough. So those three, they're they're integral in um, in making this thing possible. I hope you enjoyed digging deep with Chad Weenan, and to be sure that you're not going to miss episode two, definitely subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, so hop on there, subscribe to the show. Give us a review. Tell us what you think and uh, and where we're at here. But the the show is also available via diggingdeepatvmx.com where you can actually listen to the show without the app, without any app. You can just listen to it via the browser. So if 
your parents want to listen to it or you have somebody who you know doesn't have those apps it's available to everybody and uh yeah we're trying to give atv motocross content to anybody and everybody that wants it because any 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 content at this point is is uh is good for the sport and like us on facebook so that's it guys episode one of the digging deep atvmx podcast presented by cst tires is in the books and uh yeah we look forward to episode two and uh yeah i'm cody jansen your host and until next time thanks for listening (laughs) 